chewing away, but the grind yields no reward. Why? Comfort? Exercise? Be it neither or both, no one escapes the maelstrom. Bubblegum Maelstrom number one is on sale now. Head on over to L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash A-W-E dot comics for links to Bubblegum Maelstrom number one. Own your piece of comics history for only $12. Go get it, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to WT Fada. This is the 88th episode. I am Ron, and I am joined here, as always, now, by, yeah. by Mr. Ryan Alves. Uh, how you doing? I'm uh, pretty good. Um, you know, I'm the other side of a lot of drawing, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Kind of in that, like, that basking interlude where it's just like, wow, I have a lot of things or a lot more things to do with these things that I've just drawn, but damn it, I've just drawn these things and I'm going to take a breath, you know? So the I'm in the middle right now, but I'm, I'm gearing up to get ready to get back to it. Yeah. That's good. You got, uh, um, you? you working on your anthology thing? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a uh, a anthology being put together by this guy Nate McDonough, who is Grixley Comics on Instagram and the internet, and mm-hmm. he puts out a comic called Grixley, mm-hmm. and um, he's doing, you know, single page submissions from everybody that I thought were, you know, that that was much longer, or I was signing myself up for a much longer project, but. Uh, yeah, I just finished the the page I'm submitting to that. I got the third issue of the Maelstrom starting to kind of like finalize and crystallize a little bit, both physically and mentally. Um, you know, our book is just kind of like sitting there, bubbling, waiting, up, waiting yeah. for us to uh, to bless bless the world with it. And uh, you know, I. I went to the comic shop today and got like a fat stack of books. So I'm like feeling very kind of full of comics and a very. Uh oh. We lost him. He's full of comics. This episode is brought to you by Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> so you're feeling full of comics, she said? Yeah, and that's that's where I wish I could always be. Uh, but that's just kind of 
my gluttonous American nature being like, oh, I just want all the good stuff all the time. And it's like, you know, I have to have the like three to five weeks of kind of triple drabs at the comic shop or like bad interactions at the comic shop or something to have this one week that's just like I go in and they have all the books that I didn't think that they would have like the dude that I like is like working there and like I got get to talk to him about like books and stuff for a little bit and it was a beautiful 80 degree day and I just finished drawing all this stuff like yesterday you know and it was just like damn like wow I like I did it like today was just like it felt like a a gift or something from the universe for the work I had done thus far or at least that's how I'm perceiving it because it was just a it's a nice little uh you know treat Hmm. it's like a a whole day that is pretty like low stakes because you know third issue of the maelstrom is probably not dropping until like june Mm -hmm. and like all the other stuff that i gotta work on doesn't really have a deadline outside of that and it's just like all i gotta do is some promotion some reaching out to some shops and like you know some inking but those are all theoretically fun things if i can posit it the right way in my brain and be like oh no this is like i'm just talking to a bud like when i'm reaching out to like a comic shop just being like hey you like weird stuff like you know yeah Uh, I mean, not to throw any shade, but I found a, uh, or they were giving away these free copies of, uh, not to throw any shade, even though I'm about to throw shade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this like free comic uh, of a handful of like local talent in in this area or in the neighboring area in the fucking 45 minutes away where the comic shop is. And um it's just like very, very clean and like very safe stuff. And I had like picked it up after, you know, bringing mustache there and having them be like, no, it's like a weird format. Like, you know, we don't want to carry it. And I was just like, well, fuck you, I'll pay you, but okay, I can understand that. And I saw this and, you know, it's a standard comic format. It's like a little smaller than the Maelstrom. And I haven't actually pitched the Maelstrom to these guys because, you know, there's a pretty uh, graphic sex scene on the first page. There's uh, some pretty uh, intense violence throughout. It's just like, you know, I, I anticipate their taste being a little, or their sensibilities being a little, uh, uh, sensitive to a lot of this you're gonna find yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) or you know just unwilling for unwilling to see some weirdness and uh it's a fucking comic shop i gotta i gotta just do it i mean but it's a comic shop that's like survived off of marvel and dc continuity fanboys who you know buy comics out of like weird like routine or habit instead of actual kind of like engagement with the the medium you know 
it's like it, it, i think a comic shop's like a like a like a carnival or something like a, it's like from the outside it's bright lights and you can hear everybody having fun and the rides and everything and then you like you go in and it's like meet the incredible mutilated fish boy from the amazon rainforest and you're like oh my jesus and then you go in and you're like appalled that's what a comic shop's supposed to be it's supposed to be that layer of like smut right under the surface yeah or some kind of like you know uh like fun counter counterculturedness or something you know right. like there's there's become like as a norm for a lot of shops and this one out here too um of just like these shop owners who are just like old fanboys who just don't know how to talk about comics outside of the comics that they're reading and the stuff that they like so that like anytime you try to pitch something you're reading to them or something they like take it as like some kind of assault on their like where the comic book guys, not you <laughs> yeah and it's just like yo just this is just what i read like you know i also want to know what you read but i would like for this to be a conversation and not like you just trying to like i don't know bully me into reading the stuff that you like or something and it's just like i don't know it's it's that fucking simpsons nerd that's just like condescending and fucking like short for no reason and it's like dog like i'm trying to i'm trying to be your friend here like i know this is this might be new or whatever considering like a lot of these dudes are incredibly pale uh, uh it's just like i don't know trying to find some common ground becomes harder and harder at, at this comic shop that I've grown up with. And it's disappointing when I finally kind of approached like what I consider to be a professional level and like not fear these guys like rejection or whatever, but just like, and disappointed by the kind of lack of understanding in this shop that I kind of like, formed my tastes with you know like they were the vessel for me finding all the weird stuff that I found when I was a kid just like lurking in that place picking up like weird um you know discount books and stuff and just like hanging out with the bugs that used to be there but um I don't know it's just like a strange uh like comic shop subculture thing like phenomena because it's not everywhere like I've seen <sighs> Yeah, you know, there's shops in Rhode Island that were great. They were run by like also kind of collector fanboys, but they were just like cool about it. And they could just like have some, you know, curiosity and excitement, but also have like informed decisions on like books coming in and their potential success because like he's able to like see how people read and like what people read and like what sells kind of generally and then he also has like his own taste because he also reads stuff and he's like kind of a pulp dude but also being informed by like his co-workers who like have been going to his shop for 15 20 years like since they were kids or whatever and or employees i should say because you know one dude owns it and it's just like everybody else that's been going there for 20 years working there uh, once they like 
came of age and it's like that's that's a great shop experience because that dude is like willing to share and engage with just any spectrum of comics you're bringing to that table and like you know, this the place out here is like trying to exclusivize you know fantasy or superhero stuff and it's just like miss me with that shit man there's an inherent strangeness to comic book shops like i feel like i've never actually been to a comic book shop that i felt comfortable at right it's weird and i don't know exactly what it is and i don't like to go back on like the uh because you hear people like bad mouth people that enjoy comic books yeah, and well, like, there's a certain hear... that people have been led to believe, you know? Yeah, and I think, like, like I don't like to, like, fall back on that, but there's a, like, there's a point where it's, like, they have a point, you know what I mean? Like, there's this little <laughs> bit of, like, it's a, it's something that you enjoy and feel bad about yourself for enjoying, right? <laughs> or something, like, yeah. society yeah. has made you feel bad about it. Yeah, so then if you're like if you're a professional comic book guy like if you're a professional i work at a comic book store i don't know if it's like the perception that people think that you're fucking weird or if it's actually that you are strange and it like comes out in weird ways but like there's a lot of comic book people that have massive chips on their shoulders they're just so angry at the way that they're perceived (laughs) and like it comes out in comic book stores in really weird ways like i have never been able to like really get close to people that run comic book stores i you know i've had like some level of like business dealings with people that run comic book stores but like it's uh it never is like a comfortable experience i i guess there's just there's at least some type of feeling of like a lack of adjustment or something, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's been, it's been a rarity. Like I, I've been, you know, gifted two great shops um, in, in Rhode Island while, when I was living there that um, were just run by like good, cool, people who were like nerds but they were also metalheads and they were also like gardeners or like bike fans and were into other things besides comics you know and were able to like manage their nerddom with like a grown-up life you know and were just a little more adjusted and you could go in and like have a conversation with these these folks about like stuff that wasn't comics you know yeah and, yeah uh, that's that's true too like there there is a sense of like there's not uh some like sometimes that feeling is of them not being particularly well-rounded or them being like some people will use the like developmentally stunted because it's like you're dealing with like good and evil in comic books and like that's all there is black and white thinking you know and like maybe that was running around it could be a little bit of that you know even Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, at least, uh, yeah, I mean, even still, like, you know, find refuge in comics, and, like, that's a part of their their beauty, and, like, 
you can learn these like broad stroke lessons and like mm -hmm. uh, go on these kind of grand sprawling adventures uh, through this simple accessible medium but mm. uh you know it's it's all context you know you can't just read comics and like build an understanding around it you know you can't yeah just watch movies or just tv or like mm -hmm. just watch stuff or like you can't you gotta like live a little you know and uh there's definitely a, a culture of obsession uh surrounding a lot of this or just pop, pop culture in general and just like comics and uh comic media that's yeah, it's from, um yeah i think the collector mindset but yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's tough. Like I understand. Like the 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 there's a pull towards being um. You know, kind of like chewed up by it or something. Like chewed up by, um. Sort of the. There's just so much input, you know where it's like everywhere you go, there's more and more and more. Um, yeah. uh, and I think that sometimes it's easy to get like lost in it, you know, and, uh, you know, not live your life as you should, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, it's a slippery slope because, you know, there's, I mean, it's basically manufactured for obsession at this point, you know, oh, like video sure. games and, most mass media is just like made to eat your time and like your money like as slowly as it can for as long a period of time as it can you know or as fast yeah. as it can I mean. yeah. but um yeah it's just like actually uh, jerry ordway uh had a pretty great uh i think it was like an article or maybe it was just a tweet or something but it was like what he would do if he got like the reins of like marvel and dc and he was just talking about like getting rid of every comic like like destroying all continuity everywhere and then just having like 10 to 15 books made by a bunch of different people scheduled to like come out and just like doing it that way yeah which would, you know, effectively our our idea, you know, that we had for our, like the Batman stuff years and years and years ago, but just um, collapsing continuity and just being like, who cares, you know? Yeah. Everybody gets to tell their own Batman, or not to hold into anybody else's ideas, you know. Exactly. The way it should be. Build it yourself, and and like then you it it creates a a free market, like yeah. where the best ideas survive, and it's not like you decide that this is the Bible. This is what is going to happen, and everyone needs to do it because that's what we decided. It's like, no, no, yeah. you put out a bunch of ideas and you let the readers decide what, what is working, you know? Yeah. It's a smart way to do it. I mean, it's it's the it's the way to do it that wouldn't be catering to the collector. Mm -hmm. It's like they they've built an industry around people commodifying the books themselves as an item instead of what's inside them you know mm -hmm. and it's like 
that's why all these number ones are always like worth however much. And it's just like, you know, who gives a shit, you know? Like if it's a good issue, cool, I can dig it. But like, if it's not significant in any other way than it just being the most recent redo attempt at like DC or Marvel's like, you know, scrounging for the most, you know, trending hottest buck or whatever then uh you know yeah there's there isn't any real intellectual like worth there and it's like we gotta kind of shift our brains away from collecting things because they're like quote unquote new and you know collect and commodify the things that are like significant or interesting and you know different and uh i mean that kind of like ties into something i was going to say earlier but like like talking about how sometimes it can feel like comic book people aren't particularly well-rounded or they get like single-mindedly focused or something you know and like for me i've always had this um this push of wanting to I think I I get excited about characters that are already on paper like first draft they're already like psychologically interesting and then as I've gotten older I just constantly am trying to find more things that kind of like push in those directions and sort of like dig deeper into that part of it so like i kind of view like the comics that i like and the stories that i like i kind of view like uh like in a psychological lens like these characters were made by people who were thinking about problems you know what i mean thinking about things that they feel and then putting them into a character and kind of like in those extreme frames you get to find it's weird like so many comic book characters are over the top but they're also the like most pure representations of like a thought that you can have you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like that's why like a character like the joker is always so potent to me is because he's the most extreme version of a thought and the thought is nothing matters you know and like using him in that way and seeing him in that way like using him as a vessel for just a thought is um really exciting to me it's exciting to see that thought play off of like the existential batman thought where it's like you're right the universe is pointless and meaningless but we can make it mean something you know and like seeing those two things just come into conflict over and over and over again and like it's that's the reason that the batman joker conflict is like forever is because there's not really a good answer like you can intellectualize that and you can have hours and hours of discussion about the merits of you know creating meaning or accepting that there's no meaning and like never get to a resolution and that's why those characters can't do it you know so it's like to me that shit makes like that shit makes those stories fascinating and i think that if 
I think that like for what it's worth, as much as I'm like a Batman fanboy, it's like I'm also like a fan of just the ideas that I feel like are in there, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of trying to understand the world that I live in. And it's like a nice, like allegorical metaphor to try to deal with like some heavy thoughts in a way that isn't, it's not boring and it's not terribly depressing. It's like, okay, like these are things yeah. that exist and here's how we're going to talk about them. And it just feels reasonable to me, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you also have, you know, the, like a relatively well-read context of which to apply um, this character to. And it's like, you know, kind of as a, as like a comic book person, uh, kind of, uh, as, a, as a comic book intellectual, I guess, mm. or a artist, you know, with like a capital A or somebody that like thinks about comics critically, like formally, emotionally you know just critically in general and um it's like oh oh shit this is my train of thought yes i did oh, no. oh there it goes uh, being a well-read uh having well, relatively yeah. Yeah. and like having having read more comics kind of later in life that were like more, I guess, uh, artistically well-regarded um, and having the context of books and stuff like that for them. I don't know, they, they like, they bring each other up. Like Batman is like better after you've read, you know, Poe or like some old like Sherlock Holmes or some like, fucking old pulp stuff from the 30s it's just like you know a new kind of like weird twist on a lot of this big ideas that have kind of always existed but just done in this like kind of psychedelic colorful way you know mm -hmm. and yeah like comics comics are fucking awesome on their own but i guess what i'm trying to say is like comics are like even cooler in relation to books you know and right. like classic classic literature or something yeah you know? for and me it's it's always um my brain just wasn't gonna let me get there <laughs> <laughs> for me it's like my it's not that i like have read a lot of uh works by like young or you know freud or any of that type of stuff but like that's where i get most excited is that 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 aspect of it where it's like these characters are like these wounded people that their insides are just like caked on their outside you know yeah. what i mean and like it's all it's all come out in this very garish over the top way but it also feels so so strangely human like it it, it really yeah. does feel like a very real character study in the right hands you know what i mean yeah. there are comic book stories that are trash and there are comic book stories that it's like oh well, you know you like batman fighting mr freeze and like that's it that's all it is you know but like yeah. in the right hands with like-minded people you got you get to ask some intense it's an intense line of questioning 
that you get to ask with all of those characters, you know? And, like, not just in Batman, but there's other characters. Like, you know, we're fans of the Punisher, and the Punisher kind of has aspects of that where it's, like, you know, the idea of vengeance, you know, and the type of vengeance that he's doling out and that raises some like moral questions you know outside of him if you're on his side then that's all you see and like you can recognize that like well that's a criminal so this is what you do to criminals but also it's like is it though like like is it making the world i mean it depends on how it, it it depends on how you look at it because it's like well if he kills enough of them then yes he's he's net positive you know like he has made the world a better place yeah. um but it's 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 that type of shit that's what that's what keeps me well, reading I mean, comics yeah i mean comics like hold up to so much diverse scrutiny if you let it you know mm-hmm. like you can yeah. think about like batman critically and get away with it but you can also you know, make an Adam West TV show, like, it's it based is. off by character, and it's like, you know, it's, it's just another kind of, like, outlet for uh, just, or should be an outlet for just, like, fun, creative exploration that, right. you know, just the fucking corporations and shit just don't want. Uh, but you can... Well, will probably never want but you can have like a dry kind of discussion or lecture about race relations or uh maybe homophobia or any of that type of stuff or you can like write a good x-men story and it's like (laughs) out of those two write a good x-men story i would rather read a good x-men story than listen to a lecture about those ideas you know i i casually mentioned our not book um and (laughs) the dude at the shop was like oh yeah marvel was like said some stuff about like that not being okay and john bernthal said some stuff and i was like dude i still haven't seen a punisher book that like you know takes that fucking image away or just like washes their hands of that image and it's yeah. like you know until there's like some kind of action like i don't want to i don't want to hear i don't want to see like a fucking write-up by some editor that's just like a page and a half of him going we don't support racism and bigotry like here at marvel comics we like have always been you know founded on diversity and other bullshit and it's just like no, dude, just just put it in the books. Like, you know, that's the thing. We don't want a half-hearted statement that basically yeah. amounts to, we do not condone this, but we're going to step aside and make space for it to exist. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's the problem. Is it's like they're not actively putting their foot down and saying like, no, 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 no fuck you. You know what I mean? That's not what yeah. that is. And that's what the problem is. It's like, you can, it it almost feels like them being like, oh, well, we are making money off of those people that buy the Punisher stuff. We don't want to offend them. sales are up and we did make him like a, you know, Afghan war veteran. And it's just like, yo, guys. It's, it's horrible. It's not, it's not a good look. It really isn't. Yeah. But 
and I, I get it, you know, I get the whole military corporate backing, but there just comes a time when it's like, yeah, when you're just being complicit in all this terrible shit that's going on with your character symbol. And it's just like, if you guys want to actually, you know, amount some kind of change, like retire that skull, then give us a job. Yeah. I mean, that's, it really is. It's like hanging up a jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Stick it in the the rafters of the Marvel gymnasium. Keep keep the copyright and then like hawk any motherfucker that's like looking to put that shit on a hat. Yeah. Don't come after us because that's, yeah. that's silly. And we're you know, trying to help. <laughs> yeah. And like do something about it. Change that symbol up. Like try and try and take down some of the fucking kind of like hate propaganda that is on a bunch of fucking websites. And it's like, you know. Uh, they won't do it. I I know they won't do it because that's, they're terrified. That's not part of their bottom line, but um, they're terrified. And like yeah. looking at the Heroes Reborn ads and seeing like a Punisher that has like a metal plate design that's in the rough shape of the skull, but doesn't actually have the skull motif like printed on it or anything. It's like this is just. This is just a company being afraid to offend racists. And doesn't that feel doesn't that feel wrong? Doesn't that feel like maybe they should like take a stand and be like, no, fuck you. Leave it alone. Stop putting that on things. You know what I mean? Like you have a copyright, like a trademark on on the fucking skull, right? So like what what are you doing? Like, fucking get, like, you're not going to be able to stop them from putting skulls on shit. You know, you, you can't copyright yeah. a skull. But, like, their specific skull, you can tell them to fucking stop, and you won't do it. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Well, you know why. <laughs> we all De Niro. know. De Niro. De Niro. That's what I think. Didn't, doesn't Disney have some weird Nazi ties way back? There was a, there was a one time Goofy wore a Nazi tie. It had it was just like the SS logo all down his tie. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. There's some weird dark money, you know, wrapped up in Marvel and Disney, and they're just like the ones actually making that stuff. Also, but I guess I shouldn't slander. Considering this is going to be on the internet, but I don't believe any of this. I'm not actually here to be listened to. Nobody no. like take anything I say seriously. But uh, honestly, I don't even think that I publish these episodes. I'm pretty sure. So oh, awesome. I don't think that. I think it's just like for us. Awesome. I, I don't know if anybody's listening to these. But anyway, John uh, <laughs> left. It was just. Zero listeners. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about just kind of goofy fucking corporate mishandling, we should get into a 
our main event, but I'll I'll save that. All right. <laughs> any All uh right. yeah, any news? Have you seen any new ads for the the heroes Re- heroes reborn? I haven't. No. I haven't really been looking too much. It feels like a very half-hearted kind of event. So like, well, I guess we have to do something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to the shop and I didn't see anything about it. So. No. I think that we might have intimidated them off of that date. Uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> would have been like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's rethink this. Um, if, if so, then we should just hawk whatever day <laughs> they oh. release. <laughs> that's the Marvel, that's been the Marvel tactic with movie releases. They're yeah. fucking awful. Like, I have like a serious vendetta against them because of, and look, I understand that the DC movies are not the greatest movies. But they just are fucking bullies. Like they are just <laughs> bullies. The way that they fucking slide their release dates around just to try to fuck shit up. They just yeah. did it a little while ago with the Batman. They moved Spider-Man three into its time, into its into its time that they they had picked, and then they moved it back because it was supposed to be the Batman in October. And then they said, oh, we had to shut down production for two weeks, and so now we have to move it all the way back to March, which that doesn't track. The only reason they moved it all the way back to March is because Spider-Man was like, oh, I think we're going to go a week before in October. And it was like, why do you do this? Like, why do you fuck shit up? But I I mean, I would love to see a Spider-Man and a Batman movie in the same season. But that's, it just seems silly. They can make so much money. Yo. How about that Spider-Man, Batman, Joker, Carnage fucking thing going on? Like, there there was a uh, a wizard article drawn that had a, a spot illustration drawn by Michael Turner, uh, R.I.P., uh, that was Batman versus Spider-Man. And it was, you know, gorgeous <coughs> image. Um, I mean, if you're into Michael Turner, which I mm. absolutely am and was. Oh, of course. Um, but yeah, you know, Batman inevitably wins. Uh, just because he's mean, older and smarter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he's Batman. Know, Spider-Man almost takes his head off and, like, you know, destroys like a brick chimney or something, and he's just like, "Oh, what? What? <laughs> Are you kid?" Yeah. No, that's. But, uh, I would love. Did to you see ever that. read the? Uh, I don't remember who wrote it, but it was when Marvel was almost bankrupt and DC was like, "Hey." In the interest of our friendship, let us help you. And then 10 years later, Marvel was like, fuck you. Yeah, now we're in control. Fuck you. You never did anything for us. Uh, but anyways, uh, <laughs> so what? they did a... They <laughs> did, was this? this was in the late 90s. It was okay. So Marvel was like almost bankrupt. They yep. had to sell off their rights to a bunch of different movie studios, which was like yep. Fox had Daredevil and X-Men Blade. and Fantastic Four. And Universal had the Hulk. And Paramount had Captain America and Iron Man. And like, that's why their fucking shit was all over the place uh, because of that. <laughs> and their book sales were so down that DC was like, hey, let, let's work together. Let's do something, you know, for the good of, you know, mm-hmm. your company. And like, you know, so they put out books that were like team ups across continuities. And there was a Batman Spider-Man book that was fucking awesome. It was drawn mm-hmm. by Mark. It was drawn by Mark Bagley. I cannot oh, believe. Fuck. I cannot believe. I mean, 
I hate Mark Bagley, actually. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. We did the covers. Um, did he do the covers too? I think he did. Dang. But I, I remember seeing it when I was little and I was like, this feels wrong. But oh, it, absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a hard thing to do right. Like there was a Justice League and Avengers crossover. Uh this was like uh, an actual comic though. Vaguely, get the fuck out of here. I know, I know. But I mean, like, <laughs> look at this fucking stuff, man. It's like Batman, oh. Spider-Man versus the Joker in Carnage. I think they did a what was the other one? Uh I think it was, it must have been, must have been Superman and Cap or something that they did together. Yeah, I mean, the, the Justice League and uh, Avengers crossover was drawn by George Perez, and that thing was just like crazy. But yeah. uh, I mean, besides that, I only read the uh, Amalgam stuff. Amalgam's pretty cool. Where they like and, mix the characters up. Yeah, and what if Stan Lee created the DC universe, which is just like <laughs> the trashiest fucking trash drawn by like a bunch of really great artists uh, ever? Wow, look at those shorts. My goodness, that those aren't even shorts. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's Superman in a thong. In a banana hammock. Oh my god. Nice. It's always, it's always neat when you see that happen, though. When you see them, like, kind of share space together. Yeah. I mean, you know, done right, I could get into it, but I just, like, it's just so inherently, like, put me to sleep. <laughs> uh, For now, but wait until Disney buys Warner Brothers and we start yeah, getting right. those that in the movies. Oh, no, I mean, I know it's coming, but it's going to put me to sleep then, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It'll well, just wake me up whenever the yeah. IMAX explosion happens. I miss IMAX, man. I really do. Yeah, me too. <sighs> me too. Someday. 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 Soon-ish, maybe. Dude, when, if, when the Batman comes out, if it's not in IMAX, I will throw myself off the bridge. That's what's going to happen. Just see I would rather first. not watch, watch the it. movie. Watch the movie first, and then, I mean, but why deprive yourself one more Batman movie? That's true. I want to see it in Batman IMAX. Movie. That fucking experience. Me too, but it's like, <laughs> just I'm imagining like the most grounded, like pulpy, you know, just noir, like quiet Batman movie that's just like on IMAX but nothing exciting happens there's like the car through the wall or whatever but it's just like a couple fun shots of the city are like the only reason why it's shot in IMAX and like everything else is just like him walking around or like <laughs> floating him ruthlessly beating yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right exactly i think that uh, i think that speaking of ruthless beatings we should throw a commercial yeah. and then we should talk yeah. about whatever the fuck we're talking about so we'll yeah. be right back after this word from our sponsors <laughs> it's me 
Hey guys, do you need a new bath mat? Or a shower curtain? Or maybe even a bedspread? And ideally, would you like those things to have our faces printed all over them? It's a rhetorical question. I know that the answer is yes. A resounding yes. Head over to ron-iii-art.redbubble.com so that you can start adorning your house with WT Fada merchandise today. Brian! What the <laughs> fuck are we talking about? We are talking about Mortal Kombat 2021 re-establishing of the Mortal Kombat universe. Hopefully yes. uh, the first of many. Yeah. Yeah. I think I share that sentiment. Yes. Ultimately. Um, yeah. Where I landed, uh, which isn't great, but we'll get into that. Yeah, well, give me the broad strokes. What do you think? As a you're a you're a lifelong Mortal Kombat fan. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a I'm a MK lifer. Um, I mean, I never like had the consoles or whatever when I was a kid, but I would always have like buds that had like Mortal Kombat two on like Sega or something. And, you know, hanging out there would just be a transcendent experience whenever we got to play like Mortal Kombat. It was my first time experiencing like high-grade violence even though it was mega pixelated or whatever but um yeah. yeah i like i liked all of the violence stuff technically and you know it was produced well but it kind of suffered from like not knowing the tone it was trying to take and it felt just like this kind of serious thing or like this goofy thing taken too seriously you know and i thought it was the serious thing that was taken too goofily (laughs) yeah i guess it's actually no that's that's a better better (laughs) equation of it because it definitely lands like it's trying to be taken much more seriously than it is and like the only parts that I really was like there for were the Scorpion and Sub-Zero fights and I had a feeling it was going to be like that but I was hoping it wasn't going to just be like that you know you know it, it's funny because like I, I watched it the once uh, I, I was going to watch it twice and I didn't quite make it but uh, it wasn't because I didn't want to so I definitely wanted to watch it again which is more than I can say about like Godzilla versus Kong, which is like, I don't (laughs) care if I ever see that film again. Like I'm totally okay with never watching that again. If I am on my deathbed, the last thing on my mind is going to be like, man, I wish I had watched Godzilla versus Kong one more time. Uh, This this movie, it has a shot. I might be on my deathbed and being like, some of those fights were pretty cool, dead. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> but like, it'll only uh, be after thinking of the other two Mortal Kombat movies, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, you know, I was watching, I, I watched it, and I, I'm, you know, I enjoy it, right? 
but I think that what you're talking about, like the Scorpion Sub-Zero stuff is like, that feels like the spine of the movie, right? Yeah. But they did very like strange things in terms of like getting Scorpion back for that final fight. And there's like weird little plot things that I'm like, I wish that you could have just touched that up a little bit. Yeah. Overall, I feel like the movie works and that I I do like it, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, there are things in it that are corny and I actually don't think that they needed to be. So like, yeah, you know, uh, when she introduces the idea of uh, when Sonya Blade is introducing the idea of, um, you know, the tournament, Mortal Kombat, and uh, what's the what's the what's the the lead character there? Cole. Is it Cole? Yeah, I yeah. I don't think he's shown up in other um, games, at least to my experience, and I kind of wish he was just not in the movie. Like, I yeah. wish that whole subplot was just gone and they just kind of like fought, like went around collecting the people with the birthmark because there was some, you know, strange, not government, you know, uh, group, but like some kind of group, maybe like formed by Liu Kang, who's like going around, who like knows a way to find these people with these markings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just like, I didn't like Shank's song. I didn't really like Raiden. Like yeah. it just made me like yearn, <laughs> like even for you know Highlander as Raiden. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I kind of wish they got the old Luke Kang back, uh, and like just aged him a little bit and just been like, yeah, I was in the last tournament. We lost. Like everybody's gone except for you guys and me. Or just like some kind of fan service thing, because they just like all the fan service was in like just replicas of the game, you know, like all the like neat moments in the movie were just moments that were lifted from like the most recent couple Mortal Kombat games, like the fatalities and stuff. It all was just too kind of like too hollow a copy to be interesting or engaging and like you know I, I i put it on the same spectrum as like mortal Kombat annihilation but taken a little more seriously with like a real subplot yeah. but i wish it either leaned into like that tone a little bit more and went like full goofy techno or went like you know the that Mortal Kombat short with Michael J. White that was made years and years ago. Mm-hmm. It's got the yeah. crazy like reptile, like, or lean into that aesthetic because it's yeah. got potential to be like a gritty, kind of semi-magical, hard-boiled, you know, just like fighting tournament with like monsters and great <laughs> kung fu. But it can also be like this kind of goofy thing if you want to reference like the movies, and they just mm didn't really know which direction to like go in and it just made me want the other movies whenever scorpion and sub-zero weren't fighting but sub-zero was amazing like that dude that dude's like physical presence and just like his like kung fu abilities and just like the way he moves is just like a great 
who he talks it's, it's just all like great sub-zero shit and you know scorpion was the same and just like highly satisfying and uh, you know it just made me want like a scorpion and sub-zero movie or like yeah. you know scorpion sub-zero and then they start to collect the good guys show up on mm-hmm. outworld or something like that mm-hmm. show some bad guys and uh you know have the tournament but it just meandered for literally the whole thing and never actually got to the tournament and fucking goro just gets like punked and i was just like man what and this lady's gonna attack him with an axe and hit him on the side like you're not gonna go for like a headshot like a neck shot or something i don't know i just i could have done without cole's whole family and subplot you know Mm. And character. I, I have a hanging thought. Um, so, but when, like, you know, talking about like the 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 general tone of the movie, and like how it sort of fluctuates back and forth, it like is fluctuating out of like awkwardness or like almost having like a we're apologizing because this is a video game movie um <laughs> and that that scene where sonya is introducing mortal combat like she calls it mortal combat that's the name of the tournament and cole has this line she like delivers it and then cole's like did you just make that up because that sounds ridiculous and it's like i've seen that tactic used in other places but goddamn, if the woman that plays Sonya Blade doesn't sell that moment, like if the woman that plays Sonya Blade actually makes that sound cool, and then they still choose to undercut it, I wish <laughs> yeah. that they could be a little bit more self-aware in those moments because you say that like the name Mortal Kombat, like it it doesn't sound like something to laugh about. Mortal Kombat sounds scary. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like that could have been said and you'd be like holy shit it's a different thing than like if because this is what i kept comparing it to was the reboot of power rangers that movie that came out a couple years ago it had it it was like a little bit like that you know in terms of the way that like this group of people were all coming together and they've been like chosen and like oh like we're learning about like our abilities and training and all this different stuff like it had elements that felt similar to that but it's like in that you know if you have somebody say like you know like you're becoming uh what's the what's the name of the dude why can't i think of his name the guy in the tube oh um zoron zoron is that it something like that um so yeah like if you have zordon if you have zordon uh say you know, you are becoming Power Rangers, then you'd have to have a character be like, Power Rangers? What the fuck is a Power Ranger? That's dumb. You know, like, you'd ha- that would be appropriate. But yeah. in this one, they're like, Mortal Kombat. And he's like, did you just make that up? Because that sounds ridiculous. Like, everyone's going to laugh at that. And it just it doesn't uh-huh. feel like that's really there. So, like, that was awkward. But then other moments that I felt could have been awkward were surprisingly not. Like I actually, somebody utters 
the word fatality at one point and i didn't even yeah. laugh at it i was just like yeah fuck yeah you know <laughs> yeah it's a really weird yeah. tone that they like kind of are sitting in because it's like they can't tell how much of it is a joke and how much of it is like serious yeah. and it's a very strange kind of awkward footing i guess that they're off on you know yeah like they're not willing to take it as seriously as they should but they're also not willing to like look at it objectively enough to like make a decent joke about it or something and uh yeah i mean it's i think it suffers a little bit in the writing too like there's just a lot of kind of goofy lines that are delivered kind of goofily by the actors um just mainly like shang song just is distracting i think because i can't get him like from the dark night out of my brain just as like the whiny fucking dude who's just like speaking in Chinese like he's getting dragged out of his own building like that's just what I see whenever I see him is just like this whiny fucking little dude and I'm like that is not Shang Tsung like I was excited to see him in a different type of role though I really was I just I, I can appreciate it for the the range but i just couldn't take him seriously you know yeah. like and like raiden i wish they got um the guy that was in the brian cranston godzilla movie the japanese guy in that. dude that's who i thought it was at one point because that dude is totally stealing his manner of speaking ken watanabe yeah yeah he's stealing his entire speech pattern and the way that he enunciates certain words and i was like looking at him and it was hard to tell because of the glowing eyes so i was looking at him and i was looking at the rough head shape and then the way he was talking and i was like it might be him i'm not sure and then right towards the end of the movie he said something and just the way that one of the words crescendoed up i was like that's fucking ken watanabe absolutely was not yeah it's, it's not him okay it's not him it, it was right. some and actually when you see this dude in uh in real he's life in, he doesn't even look like ken watanabe he's in something else that i've seen i, I recognize him from, from something but it was just like you know yeah it, it just made me want other stuff as i was seeing it you know and that was just i was like wow this all these people look really nicely dressed but you know i I wish there were different actors underneath this stuff. You know, like I can see other actors just doing better jobs as these guys are going for it. And, you know, I'll, I'll talk it up to like bad directing and bad writing. Um, but what? Yeah. His name is Tadanobo Asano. Holy He's shit. Raiden. And there are, like, some shots where he kind of reminds me of Ken Watanabe, but this dude does not look like Ken Watanabe. He sounds just fucking like him, though. (laughs) But just, like, get, like, an old old Raiden, you know? Get, I don't know, a a, a Liu Kang that doesn't look like a deer in the headlights the entire time. There was just a lot of, like, kind of of out-of-character moments that um, really took me just like out of the the story you know and uh i wanted to take it seriously like i wanted to apply the same kind of like uh appreciation that i had for like that old short um you know 
to this movie, but it was just just goofy as hell, you know. There was a strange. There's a there's a thing that I think. There's a there's a feeling that I have that could be applied to this story, because I don't really know Mortal Kombat very well, so like. There's not much watching, to know. Yeah, watching this movie, it like lays the foundation and everything, and like it set it up in a way that I understood what was going on, which was cool. I heard somebody call it convoluted, and I can't agree with that. It's not convoluted. <laughs> it's very straightforward. Um, and uh, but I, but I was thinking about like what tone would I like to see, and honestly, you lift like the Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson tone uh, and you put it yeah. in Mortal Kombat and I think you'd have something particularly spicy, you know? Yeah. Make it really feel like a grand epic fantasy, you know, that you're experiencing and uh, lose a little bit of the... There's a, there's a quality to this that reminds me of like things like you're gonna fucking hate me <laughs> but it like like reminded me a little bit of like mystery men or Yo, like some of those 90s kind of movies just, i just rewatched mystery men like days yes. ago and fucking loved it, it it's literally, a fucking great movie yeah it, it reads like a ben Islam comic. like the guy yeah. that created the tick i think created those characters also but that movie yeah. reads like one of his comics and like all the people in it are perfect like yeah i had kind of filed it away as like this kind of shitty you know early 2000s like spoofy like dunk on superhero thing and then i watched it and i was like holy crap this is amazing like this yeah. is you know the pre-meta you know precursor to like all the meta shit yeah but it has like that that vibe of like I'm trying to like think of how to like explain it. It's like a little bit kind of shiny and a little bit a little bit cleaner or more ordinary than I necessarily would want it to be. It's like, like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like I feel like Mortal Kombat you could really go full tilt into like you know those fantasy elements and and those uh you know the the beginning of the movie like the first seven minutes that you get where it's like just giving you the backstory between scorpion sub-zero and all that stuff like that's kind of where i would have wanted the rest of the movie to sit but like as soon as they jump back into our world like the real like modern day world it like loses some of its luster or something. It starts to feel more like it's shot on like a studio back lot, you know, <laughs> like this is like a standard street that we have built that we shoot commercials in. And like, yeah. it kind of gets that vibe. And even in the point of like, <sighs> like there's where the cage fight happens. Is that also that's also where the final fight happens in the <laughs> yeah, story, right? right? Um, and that whole set feels like the cage fight is happening in a warehouse, which doesn't seem <laughs> all that different than the warehouse that 
Sub-Zero fights Jackson. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it kind of reminds me of Saw, where like Saw, they literally had a, a single warehouse and they shot the entire thing in a single warehouse. So the where they're being kept in that tiny room, uh, yeah. Adam's apartment, um, Dr. Gordon's house, the hospital, uh, every fucking location in that movie is in the warehouse and it almost is like it it is distracting there's like a moment where dr gordon's getting off of work and he's in the parking garage of a hospital and it's all like fucking brick and like it it doesn't look like a fucking parking garage parking garage is all concrete and like (laughs) it's just it just doesn't look it doesn't look like a parking garage in general definitely doesn't look like a parking garage in a hospital you know what I mean? Like, it's just really fucking weird. And there was some of that where it felt almost like there was, like, a, there's budgetary constraints in weird places. Like, yeah. you can go all out on CGI, but you can't make a set that's sprawling enough to carry the story. Like, there's the I big fight with, uh, yeah, the, the, there was the big fight with, um like, all the bad guys showing up to fight the good guys where they've been training and Kano is fighting Sonya Blade and he like grabs her and throws her off the thing and then like lasers off the hand of the statue that comes down and lands on her and that is happening right here and then they cut to I think it was uh I think it was Liu Kang was he the one that he's the one that dies no uh, Kung Lao Kung Lao Kung Lao is the one that does. So, spoiler. Uh, (laughs) Kung Lao Lao is over here, and, like, they show him getting his soul sucked out, and Kano is not, like, it's immediate. It's the next shot. Kano is not there. And I was even, like, I even, like, looked around because I was wondering if the statue (laughs) would still have its hand. They They did have the statue not have the hand on it, but it just felt like all of these things are happening simultaneously then you can find ways to shoot them simultaneously. It felt very much like they were like, okay, we shot that one part, that one fight. Now we're going to like reset here a day or two later and we're going to shoot this other part of the fight and like disregard the fact that these things are going to overlap in the editing. Um, And it was very confusing like in that way. I just wanted a little bit more space for these characters to exist. Yeah, like it was either... Yeah, I don't know. They like spent too much time trying to build up this cold dude as somebody we should all care about, but mm-hmm. also tried to get us to care about all of these other characters. And it's just like, yo, just just give us all these cool characters and have them give you like quippy one-liners or you know, like nods for character through like their fights or whatever for like the nerds. And yeah, I don't know. Because, like, I was watching Annihilation, and, you know, I watched the first Mortal Kombat, I think, before the movie came out. And it's just, like, they're just throwing in motherfuckers left and right. And some of them die, some of them stick around, like, but, you know, it's just, like, a roster of, like, dudes just coming in, techno hits, there's a fucking five-minute fight scene, and you move on for the next, like, ten minutes before there's another five- or ten-minute fight scene. And 
you know, if if it just did that, even without trying to have like a grounded family subplot, which was totally just fucking stupid because you know in the beginning he's like if i stay here this monster is going to come back and you know you know maybe kill us all and then he's like oh my training isn't going well i'm just gonna go home and it's just like dog what like didn't you just like have the realization of like you can't be home right now because these people are after you like does that did that just you just forget or something and just bring your kind of stupid family into it who is like ramming Goro with a truck with her daughter in the in the car and it's just like this this isn't even compelling drama because it's just so dumb like it'd be one thing if you know maybe she gets in the truck by herself and rams him and has her run or if she like is pulling out backwards and Goro does some crazy big, you know, step and wolf leap and like lands on the car. Um, I thought Sub-Zero had actually like killed them at the end of, or when he like showed up, you know, for that final fight. And I was kind of hoping he did because I right. was like, that's ice cold Sub-Zero. Like he's been doing this to fucking, you know, scorpions for years. And I just love that idea. And then yeah, they just kind of like defanged it. But um, yeah, I don't know. They like, they messed that up. They messed up fucking like Sub-Zero's kind of assassin ability because he's just like the laziest assassin ever because everybody that he's like killed, he's like left alive for the most part. Yeah, like he like, like tries to like nullify them or something like that was yeah. the thing with Jax with like the freezing of the arms and stuff. I was like, all right, that's kind of cool, you know. Um, yeah, interesting way to incorporate the arm loss, but you could also just kill that dude. You have him; he's right there. His head. Yeah, he, yeah. he could have gone up to the rest of his head and just punched that shit into oblivion. Yeah. But I, it's like, you know, I feel like that's where, like, I think that Sub Zero was was cool but I, I think i'm in agreement with you and i don't know if it's like you wouldn't want to like kill jacks you know what i mean but like oh no also way. it's like you you want to have maybe more cannon fodder so yeah. that you can like just introduce excess characters that you can just watch sub-zero destroy and maybe a couple that like you were like oh this is like a main character and like have them kill them you know what I mean? So that you really yeah, get like the sense Johnny of like, Cage. holy shit, anything can happen. Johnny Cage yeah. historically is a character that shows up to die, like in the yeah. storyline. And like, if you had, you know, three or four extra characters that like they start to meet up and they start to like get together and form a little group and Sub-Zero just shows up and mercs most of them, except for maybe one or two that gets away, but then gets murdered as they find the final group or whatever that builds Sub-Zero up as more of a villain than, you know, his kind of half-hearted assassinations that you see in in the movie. And it's like, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted so much more Sub-Zero, you know? Like, they, they knew what they had in this guy, but they just didn't know how to use it to, like, good enough effect, you know? I also feel like 
I, I think that the expectation for me anyways was that we were going to see like some really high grade martial arts in this right. and I felt like there was so much editing around the fights and it was like it was very clear to me that nobody knew what they were doing so it was like <laughs> we're just going to edit around these hits to try to make it look like there's a there's a the, the biggest joke ever is um uh have you ever seen the uh Liam Neeson jumping over a fence from one of the Taken movies? No. Okay. Uh is it just like five shot like five cuts of him jumping over this fence? Uh <laughs> so this is this is the only version of it that I can find is a is a loop. Okay, but but you'll get the idea. This is this is legitimate. This is in the movie. Okay. All right. Here we go. How many fucking cuts is that? Like to get that dude jumping over a fence. It was it was like it's no it's no it's not it's there's no joke. Ten. Yeah. There's right. at least ten. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Right? What the hell is going on? So that's what the Mortal Kombat fights are like, right? But yeah. this is this is what like the difference is like the Mortal Kombat fights that we get are all chopped to shit, and that's Liam Neeson jumping over a fence, and what I was expecting to get was more uh, of yeah. Jackie Chan jumping over a fence. Uh, it's yeah. one shot. It, it's one uh, shot, and it's perfect. You know what uh, I mean? It's beautiful uh, motion. God, he's you know? the fucking best. Yeah, I mean, they, they really kind of underutilized the lineage of Kung Fu that some of their uh actors had in this movie like if you look at joe uh tap taslin Talson, uh like yeah zero's other movies like <laughs> the night comes for us is amazing like when it comes to like just brutal bloody kung fu that like mm. these mortal Kombat guys could have easily taken a page or two from just to get you know added impact and you know the raid like there's a whole just amazing kind of like early 2000s like resurgent brutal kung fu like crime subgenre that kind of blossomed and just none of that was there you know like even like the blood and stuff just felt kind of placed and you know video gamey like there was no we literally just talked about cgi blood the last episode didn't yeah we? yeah and exactly right ah. here in full force and proving exactly why you shouldn't use it because it just yeah. takes away something tactile in in the feeling of the movie you know yeah it, it was just built to like not have any real impact you know it, it felt like a video game movie sad well it's like uh you know, CGI blood, like we talked about it last week and we're talking about it now, but like it's even like going all the way back to 300, 300 use CGI blood. 
and it's the weirdest fucking thing in the world because people are getting their arms chopped off and heads chopped off with swords and stuff. The the ground does not get bloody. There's blood <laughs> yeah. flying all over the fucking place, and the ground stays sand colored, and it's very it's highly absorbing and strange. You know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, somebody scotch guarded the beach before it started. You know. Uh, but it is it's it's a it's it's a terribly overused thing that is not finessed enough to the point that you can use it convincingly and it yeah. just feels like they just keep trying it's like almost like the actors don't want to get messy and i'm like i don't fucking give a shit like you were paying you a lot of money you're gonna be fucking <laughs> dirty okay yeah. throw some fucking like red sugar juice on your face like come on don't get Sam Raimi to come in and just fucking hurl blood at his actors. You know what I mean? Like, do that. You know? Uh, yeah, I just, I really wish that, you know, that they put their money where their mouth was. Because they were like, look, we got this, like, great kung fu dude and a couple of other great, like, kung fu dudes. And, like, these guys, you know, and, and like, this design that implies some you know understanding of like their um you know of the histories that they're pulling from and it's just like no like it all looks good on the surface but you know it, it's it felt kind of like uh i mean not to, to hurt anybody's feelings but it's like a like a snyder mortal Kombat movie you know it's like not I mean, even it's like a, a light Snyder Mortal Kombat movie. It's like an you even you might actually be on to something. You know, I mean, you might be on to something. It's I, I put it in like a similar genre, like that I put sort of Aquaman in the spectrum of Snyder style stylings. You know, that are very, yeah. very kind of visually oriented and. Um, you know, and, and kind of take a while to get any real substance out of. And uh... honestly, though, I want you to hang with that thought for a second, though. Just like really, really think about that. A Scott Snyder, or a Zack Snyder. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hang with that thought. <laughs> A Zack Snyder directed Mortal Kombat. Just think about that for a minute. His propensity for wanting to do violence, yeah. the Batman warehouse fight, yeah, and how sound the martial arts were in that scene, right? And just how much space he gives to just watching that stuff happen, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. That might actually not be a bad idea. That that yeah. actually sounds kind of awesome. I mean, if Zack Snyder was to direct it himself, absolutely. Like, I could, yeah. I could get behind that movie because it's like feels he could right. Make it look good and still have it just be like a fun punch 'em up that right. you know just exists as like. And it's not it's, those characters don't carry with them any like to me, anyways. And I don't know, but it doesn't feel like in the general zeitgeist that those characters carry with them such stringent rules and yeah. such stringent codes because it's like they're literally in murder games they show yeah. up and they murder each other and that's what they do 
So it's like it doesn't have that same thing where it's like if you if you fuck around with Superman too much, you're fucking around with like the face of America almost. It doesn't it's not as loaded, you know? Yeah. So like that that might be a good place for him to land. Actually even more so than the other rumor that I've heard recently, which is that Marvel is watching him very closely from one of their properties of course of course i know what it is um i'll give you a guess let me guess uh (sighs) fantastic four (laughs) close howard the duck no i'm just kidding Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that that's my shit that's the uh, shit that i could fucking I mean, I would hate his Fantastic Four movie, but I would absolutely love his Howard the Duck movie. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, they're they're looking at him for Ghost Rider, and I'm like, hmm. he has the visual flair to pull yeah. off the look, and I don't think again, it's that oh, same no. thing where it's like Ghost oh, Rider is no. a demon that hunts other demons, and it's like that doesn't carry with it as much. as something like superman so it's like i think that he might be able to do some fucked up crazy shit with ghost rider yeah dude uh if he wanted to yeah i'd be all Mm. for that yeah i'm into that too i mean it's like yeah play to his strengths you know like don't make him build the universe just give him a chance to like make some fun movies you know like, just don't give him characters that, like, are, too, like, there are a lot of people that like Ghost Rider, but Ghost Rider is enough of a kind of, he's a little bit less defined. Yeah, well, people character. like Ghost Rider because of the way he looks, and that's it. Right. There's, there's nobody out there that's like, no, I love Danny Ketch, or like, no, I'm a big Johnny Blaze fan, and it's just like, no, I, people. I mean, I'm probably in the minority just knowing a couple of the Ghost Riders' names, but like, yeah, because what know. is what's there three, and the third yeah. one is uh, Hispanic. Yeah, Robbie Reyes, yeah. and Robbie I mean Reyes. that was drawn by Trad Moore, and that's the only reason why I know that character. But it's like I can't tell you who was in the like '80s Ghost Rider comic that I you know picked up when I was a kid, drawn by yeah. Mark Texiera. And it looks yeah. great and it's like the one with the spikes on his shoulders and the leather jacket it's very clean he's got the high boots and shit yeah and you know it's like an iconic take but i only enjoy that character because it's like a flaming motorcycle with a flaming leather clad skeleton on it and like that's cool as fuck you know that's and cool. <laughs> there are just some things that can just be cool as fuck and like ghost rider kind of lives there and you know it's rife i mean for kind of uh mining you know yeah. but i uh, those characters are the ones that and i mean I, I know that you're saying like don't don't give them things that like maybe require like too much critical thought um but i i sort of i would even be curious about and and i i, I think in the culture that we live in right now, it could be an absolute fucking disaster. But 
I think that Zack Snyder doing like even a RoboCop or something would be like, what the fuck? It would be fucking insane shit, you know? Dang. RoboCop could be cool. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, it would depend on the RoboCop story because, like, I want. There was this RoboCop book called RoboCop uh, Last Stand, and it's like kind of a better RoboCop 3, where just like the city's falling apart. Corporation that builds him is basically like also crumbling, but they're like actively destroying everything around them while they're doing it. And it's just this like haggard ass RoboCop who's just like, you know, dragging himself through like the wreckage of all these slums that these people are living in fighting off uh, these eviction robots just like getting himself destroyed but also destroying these like giant robots and it's just cool and like i think frank miller uh came up with the story or something but it's just like great kind of like grit fucking robocop stuff that's you know i don't know it, it just helps to elevate that character a little bit when you like play a the human pieces that are left you know as minimal as they are well that's like the big like that you know and i mean i don't want to go too far but like the robocop like the whole story of that first movie and and that moment at the end where the person's like you know what's your name you know and he turns around and he's like murphy and like you realize that it's like ah he's still there it's him you know and like that triumph of like the human soul over a corporation that like rips you apart and tries to turn you into something else and like tries to make you obey, tries to make you follow their rules yeah. and all of that stuff. Like that that's the that's where Robocop lives, you know. That's like the that's the that's the thing. So yeah, yeah I totally agree with you. Anytime you see Robocop kind of like putting his foot down and like kind of revealing himself you know like inside yeah. you know that that's that's the good stuff you know yeah uh, yeah so I'd, I'd be into it i'd be into a snyder mortal Kombat movie um but i'd also be into just like you know like a mortal Kombat origins movie that's just like a fucking crouching tiger hidden dragon with sub-zero and uh scorpion and just like maybe a couple of other kind of ancient Mortal Kombat characters but you just pepper them in there and keep it like you know a, a nice classic story or classical mm-hmm. story or something I, but yeah I want to uh I gotta bring up a couple things and I, I I'm trying to like it's possible that I that I missed something okay so I was talking about Scorpion coming back for that last fight Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Wh- why did that happen? <laughs> well, in in the games, you know, Scorpion goes to hell, but his thirst for revenge kind of like turns him into a demon, and he manages to like claw his way out of hell, like back on Earth, um, to kill, or at least you know, try to kill Sub Zero. And um, uh, damn, I think they, yeah, I mean, they just like that's a better movie than what we got exactly. Like, they tied it to the cold dude 
having his blood or whatever, but like if it was just like That's you know, what it was. His if Sub Zero was haunted or something, you know, by this Scorpion character until maybe you know Cole's blood touches the blade, and then like either Cole becomes possessed by Scorpion or like you know the blade grows his demon from it or something like that from like Cole's like spill blood. Or if it was like one of his kids or something like that spills blood on it, that'd been cool. But um, yeah, it, it was just like Scorpion's hate um, turned the fires of like hell into a power for him. And, uh, you know, Sub-Zero ends up getting kind of like dark magic-y also, which is like super fucking cool and exciting if they uh, do a sequel, which they probably will. But um yeah, I kind of wish they went that route instead of the haunting of what Cole or whatever, you know. It'd be... Yeah. So, like, Scorpion went to hell because you just go to hell? Or, like, well, is he a bad the, person? The, lineage, the, the whole, like, feud between Sub-Zero and Scorpion is kind of like very muddled because uh you know scorpion's like one of the best ninjas and assassins out there and i think scorpion or somebody in his clan ends up killing like sub-zero's wife and like kid or something like that before so sub-zero takes vengeance on him but just positing scorpion as like a good guy and sending him to hell just like makes it really weird instead of making it like a gray feud that is just fueled by like hate and vengeance and like scorpion dies and that hate is what like brings him back instead of this like weird maybe pseudo catholic you know familial connection um in his bloodline and uh yeah i don't know i like I think the the version of this that it's like I don't know I kind of would have liked to see a version of the story like we've been talking about with Sub-Zero going around and being like this ultimate fucking nightmare character and like it'd be interesting to see like with Scorpion's return if it's a little bit more played out so that you actually get to see sub-zero become like the hunted you know what i mean like all the things that we've thought about with sub-zero with all the other characters all of a sudden we start to feel about with scorpion and him you know um like that might have been kind of neat i I just felt like uh the explanation for scorpion just like being back was uh was like kind of glossed over it happened real fast and I, I sort of wish that there was more to it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, it's just, it's so rich with fucking history. Like, it, it felt cheapened by him just like, oh, yeah, there's blood. And then that spear glows and then he's there. And it's just like, come on. Have him like claws way out of Cole's cool new vest or something like that, you know, or like out of the blood in his hand, you know, like some fire like uh entity that like solidifies into a scorpion 
it's just like some some sort of cool fucking magic shit. It's just like they're unwilling <laughs> to do it, you know. Or if Cole was a new, he's a new character. I looked it up. I did double check that he is a new character just for this movie. And it's uh, like, what if? I also kind of hate that actor, but. But what if what if he's solely placed in this movie so that Scorpion can fucking xenomorph himself out of his chest in the final <laughs> act and Cole dies, but like out of that death, like Scorpion is reborn. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Some crazy fucking like, shit like that. Or he, you know, Wonder Woman 1984 is him, but he like Cole dies and then Scorpion possesses his body. Could be. Yeah. Or something. And then Why he grows not? his armor and stuff like that from his hellfire powers. And then yeah. they have like that ninja fight. But or like the like you know, like hell. Is it hell or is it like the afterlife? Is it like the yeah. underworld? If it's it, is this just what awaits all of us? Is this eternal fire damage? He's just his his own trappings, you know. What if what if that's what if like Sub Zero is killing all these people, and they're all winding up in the same place that Scorpion is, and they're <laughs> all being like, "We want a rematch." They're all having the same thought, and like you could have a convincing thing happen where, like, what if they did all come back at once? And it's like now Scorpion has to fight. 50, now Sub Zero has to fight fifteen people that he's already sent to hell, more or less. And it takes yeah. all 15 of them to actually fucking stop this fucking guy. You know? Like, yeah. That could be kind of cool, too. Yeah. Just, just some level of, like, sincere badassery that is that, that, that exists beyond just, like, oh, Scorpion's back. You know, have them get every other hero in there to fight Sub-Zero so that there's some kind of, like, you know, power dynamic established like something beyond just like scorpion and his great grandson showing up being like oh yeah look we're gonna need to knock out the bad guy like all right granddad let's go and it's just like who cares like get everybody else in here and have him have them fight sub-zero and have them like almost lose you know you know i don't care about cole enough to have him you know really make any kind of development with like this victory and you know scorpion or not scorpion sub-zero hasn't been built up outside of just us being shown that he's a bad guy and you should be scared of him but like you haven't actually been shown really why outside of that opening scene and like it's brutal but you know you have an r rating like give it to us you know like have him kill Cole's family, have him like actually have us see him like kill some other people and just really become like the villain that you're trying to convince us that he is, you know? Yeah, it feels like uh, like half measures or something. Yeah, you know, well, it's just, like, yeah, not taken all the way or yeah. something. It is, it's not, it's unfortunate because I think that you I, I recognized Sub-Zero as like this, you know, this big threat. But I think that seeing him in more uh, plain terms, you know, just be, you know, 
the ultimate badass, you know, like kind of like the vibe that you get off of like Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men, where it's just like he shows up and it's like, oh, fuck, 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 you know, it's, uh, you know, that that sort of thing would be well applied in in No Country for Old Men. Like he, he makes good on those promises. He shows up and people fucking die. Like that's yeah. what Anton Shaker does. So it's like having that be sort of the the approach that they take with Sub-Zero would be interesting. So that's one thing that I wanted to talk about is like Scorpion and like him coming back from hell and everything. It was like, okay, I thought there was going to be more to it, you know? I was hoping um, there would be too, because I mean, they went as far as they did in like the first Mortal Kombat movie, which just put them in like a bone place and like yeah. had scorpion have like fire breath and it's just like okay so it's the imagery of hell but it's never explicitly like said that they're in hell it's like outworld or whatever but yeah they're just alluding to all of this history that they you know have but aren't actually telling us any of it you know i appreciated how how visually uh, uncompromising they were with some of the things like when Scorpion unleashed the fire breath and like you actually saw like his fucking face burning off and shit. I was like, okay. In the game, he takes his mask off and it's just like a skeleton and he like spits fire. But that was way cooler and probably one of the only moments at of that first 10 minutes where i was like oh shit that was actually cool as hell like yeah finally in the last 15 minutes and they don't even Um, turn him to ash like i was hoping that like you know sub-zero be reaching out and you know scorpions just drenching him in fire and then like as he like falls or whatever he just like crumbles and like blows away but like when he just like had his outsides singed i was like that's the least brutal like look i've ever seen somebody have after being like engulfed in flames to death yeah. you know like yeah. just not just not enough and they had an r r rating and i was like this still feels like a hard pg-13 if you like take out the uh kung lao like split and like the jack's head smash you know yeah yeah um Actually, while we're, you know, seeing you brought up Jax, I did want to say that I'm I was so thrilled when he had to pick the hand up off of Sonya Blade and they finally fixed his <laughs> yeah. arms because the entire it was so fucking distracting the entire time. He had like these baby arms, and I was like, they had to have been able to come up with a better solution than this. I understand that they need to show his arms get like bigger later. I guess you have to do it that way, but yeah, I just wanted them to look less weird. They looked so strange to me, yeah. I I did kind of long for the Jax in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I think that was kind of part of the reason why I watched it. <laughs> but like the the magic arms is like a neat idea, you know, it's just like as a way to mystify that creature a little bit, or creature, Christ, <laughs> that power a little bit. And uh just turn his arms into something more than just like robot parts, you know? Yeah. 
and I, you know it's it's interesting because it's like from another realm or whatever but yeah. um but yeah i don't know it's like finding their powers was cool but yeah i was just looking up jacks from annihilation yeah, yeah i mean it's it's interesting um you know it, it it looks like you know foam foam arms but like the the idea behind it was like there were these enhancements or whatever and he was able to like find his inner power by the end by taking them off or something cheesy i like the design that they ended up having but yeah. it's just early days jacks in this movie i was like jesus christ there's like they were like toothpick arms and i was just like there has to have been a better way because they looked so awkward on him because that dude fucking gigantic and like the shots of him like punching and like practicing yeah. and like i'm not the same as i used to be it just looked so fucking odd you know <laughs> couldn't get over it yeah yeah it's super um, disappointing um, yeah that being said the character designs across the board in this entire oh. fucking movie, they are unbelievably good. They are oh, yeah. unbelievably good. And even once Jax gets his regular arms, like, Jax is great, too. All of these designs, I was so impressed with them, and I was so impressed that they, they didn't feel like they were copying you know a marvel movie they didn't feel like they were copying uh lord of the rings they didn't feel like they were copying like any of the any of these other places that you might go to or star wars like any of these other places that you would think they might look at you Almost know in popular culture maybe but i mean i uh, this whole fucking thing like from top to bottom all of these designs were like to me i thought they were great you know? Oh yeah, I mean, for, for like what it is, like, I mean, it just feels like the most recent like Mortal Kombat games. You know, yeah. like if you if you play any of the any posts like Xbox One or not Xbox One, maybe Xbox One. I can't keep up, but the ones that were coming out in like college, yeah. um, any of those Mortal Kombat games is like the aesthetic that this movie had because like the brutality is like cranked all the way up the designs of all the characters are cranked all the way up because you got you know beautiful graphics so they're dumping all this money into like lore and like stories and you know design and are doing like really great jobs um with this stuff that's you know kind of just been around since like the 90s or whatever and uh they you know they have a lot of like great video game references in this movie like there are lines that like i think kano actually says like you owe me a lot of money like in the game like the exact same way that kano says it in the movie like jacks grunts like the exact same way that jacks grunts in like the video game and like there's a lot of these like funny little details like there's a pose that scorpion takes where he like makes his sword, which is another po or not Scorpion, uh, Sub Zero, mm. where he like shoots out his sword and like to his hand and uh, he grows it or whatever, mm. and that's like right out of the game. Like there's all these just really 
on the nose video game references that just mm-hmm. make it like the video game in movie form, which looks pretty much the same at this point, you know. And right, right. Yeah. Much as I kind of enjoyed it for its fanboyness, I was just like, man. Like you already did this with the game. Like I don't actually have to see this in real life. Like I want to see like a decent take. It's like it's like when people them. say, um, it's like when people say, like I wish that they would adapt the long Halloween into a movie. And you're like, okay, but we already read that, so we already know how it goes. So it would be completely devoid of any surprises, you know. So like the any argument, number the of arg- projects, yeah. But I mean, the argument is like to take the approach that most comic book movies do, which is, well, we're going to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. We're going to mix it all up and here's your movie and we're going to satisfy general audiences and still manage to surprise people that are longtime fans. So it's like if you have the opportunity to, you know, take control of an IP like Mortal Kombat, you have a character like sub-zero it's like well we know what he's done in the video games but like now like what else can he do like let's push that further you know what i mean let's see what happens you know and like i think about um x-men 2 and uh bobby and and uh i can't think of his name the 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 name of uh pyro yeah, I can't think of who can't was doing this, but anyways, Iceman and Pyro were discussing about what's worse, like dying in flames or dying in ice and everything. And like Bobby's talking about his uh like when you freeze to death, like your blood crystallizing and it's like, you know, as it's starting to finally freeze, that like the shards of ice would actually be like scraping inside your veins and stuff, and like, you know, it's like oh, that's fucked up. And it's like, yeah, okay. So like, can we do something with that? Or like, you know, are there different like approaches that we can take with this character that are new and different and like, oh, never thought about that before. It's like, like Mero in some of the Aquaman comics, like, oh, she can, she can manipulate water. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And you're like, all right. So like you could make a water fucking shoot out and stuff or like all these different things it's like oh yeah that's fine but at one point she's like is getting she's in like a fight with someone and they're kind of like overpowering her and she basically uh she basically like uses her ability to dehydrate them so like yeah, within the wolf in justice league they used it there they used it there, but in yeah. there was a comic where they like walked step by step through what she was doing. And like Ooh. she just dehydrated somebody and she was like, right about now you're gonna feel like you haven't had any water for three days. And she was like, You're gonna start getting cramps. And like you like kept see like you saw the person like deteriorating in front of her until they finally were like passing out. And it was like that's pretty fucking awesome. Like you're taking this is an established thing that she can do, but you're finding these like new avenues to take that ability. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, if you have the opportunity to work with these characters, it's like, yeah, push them to do new things rather than just mimic what we've already seen, you know? Yeah. 
And like if if the video games weren't so beautifully developed, like maybe some of those references would like have some cool nuance or you know fun aspect of like fun about them, but yeah, it just feels like too close a copy to really be too much fun. And uh yeah, like that the whole movie outside of Sub-Zero and like Scorpion just made me want to watch either the first Mortal Kombat movie again or that brutal Mortal Kombat movie um, again or short film. The other thing, this is my last like big thing that I have, but so it's described as a tournament between realms, right? And it's like, okay, so a tournament. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And it's like, oh, it's like tradition. So it's like, we, oh yeah, we always do this. Like this is just what's, what happens. This is, you know, what it's for. But it does weave like a big question because tournaments are not, t- like there are organizers of tournaments, right? Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, who's in charge here? Like if this is, Mortal Kombat, a blood sport, any sport is for the entertainment of someone. So it like sparked in my head this entire other thing that we could talk about of like some type of almost like uh, Lovecraftian overlords that are actually like placing these people into these fights for their entertainment, you know? Well, like if the Elder Gods were those, Lovecraftian monsters, yeah, like these ancient beings that are just like you must fight so that we don't eat your whole fucking plane of existence, and it's just like okay, you know, and that's all you need, like a peek at those monsters, collect some people, have them punch each other up, have them be brutal. You can make that an hour and a half, two hours. Well, and then like, you know, you have like, I mean. There's no, there's no greater story in my mind than like the character that chooses to try to kill God. Like that's a, that's a awesome story. And it's like, imagine like a character that like beats everybody in Mortal Kombat. And then it's like, you know, that then, then it's like everything that they took from that character, like their humanity, their goodness you know their innocence all this stuff and them just being like you know what i'm going after the gods now like that's where we're going you know they can like pivot mortal Kombat into like god of war almost where it's like i'm gonna go kill the guys responsible for organizing this event you know like that type of shit like you could tell like kind of an interesting mortal Kombat trilogy if you just followed that through because that was my question was why are we even doing this you know right it doesn't it just seems like they're doing it for the you know shits and giggles you know yeah there's no ceremony about it and like another thing that the first movie has going for it is like you know they go to some mysterious island where like their compasses don't work and their clocks are broken and like you know there's a a layer of fantasy about it and it's just like oh no we're just gonna be like here now and it's just this place in the desert and you know and it it just feels 
you know, very plain or just like happened upon. And like, there isn't any wonder to any of it. And it's like, got all this focus on uh, just like how the characters look and making sure that they look right and they sound like the video game and stuff. And, you know, are kind of obsessing over these stupid aspects of it instead of uh, making like a decent uh, I don't know outing for these characters as characters yeah and uh, yeah I don't know I just I didn't care about like anybody in this movie not terrible like there's just so much cheese and like kind of countered with that undertone of like seriousness where it's like wait I'm supposed to be taking this seriously like I'm supposed to care about any of these characters Uh, and that was just like you know not necessarily uh, engaged Uh, but I was you know impressed at the the visual visual design you know I I can appreciate just the levels that those dudes went and that you know maybe the people casting were trying to go for something but it's a pretty pretty decent cast like even even what's the big CGI monster guy with the forearms Goro so that guy that played him was like on the second season of Fargo. Is that and... Jackie O'Haley? No, it's uh, what's the, what's the fellow's name here? Uh, he was on the second season of Fargo. He's a good actor, and the fact that he's in there as a gigantic CGI monster for a scene was like, wow, that's that's a big swing. His name is Angus Sampson, and oh, also. Okay. Uh, Damon Harriman provides the voice of Cabal. Damon Harriman from the television show Justified, um, the television show Mindhunters, and also the film uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he played, uh, actually in both Mindhunters and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he played uh, Charlie Manson. Uh, <laughs> so, kind of huh. interesting. He got yeah, like typecast as that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i like yeah i really enjoyed the way everybody looked I was hoping kano would get like a plate or something over his eye but cool that he got his laser and stuff kano but, wins yeah oh that I, also, yeah that was cool but i fucking hated that reptile was just a big iguana yeah so you're not gonna See, give him armor or like some like reptile is usually like uh like scorpion is yellow ninja, sub zero is blue ninja, reptile's green ninja. Right. And you know I remember that. Reptile sometimes would have like a little mouthpiece on like the outside of his thing, just being like that oh, was that character. I'm pretty sure because he's like sending the reptile, whatever his name was or the species was and it was just like yo if that's reptile like that's so lame 
and even as a character design, that is just a big ass iguana. And I was like, just hugely oh. disappointed by you know the whole that whole handling of it. It was just like woefully inadequate. I mean, what? That's so weird. That's such a huge departure from uh from like what you would think of as that character that's fucking crazy i mean there's been some like more animalistic takes on um reptile and you know and that's i'm super into and they'll still put him in like the ninja gear but they'll make him kind of like scaly and stuff yeah i'm looking at one right now that has that which is cool that's a good middle ground just to keep him from looking like a skin of sub-zero or scorpion you know like yeah exactly and it's like i i can i'm I'm totally down for the animal reptile put him in some kind of nation guards or something just like design it you know like make me give me some kind of fucking give me something make me believe that this design team didn't just go like oh yeah we're literally just gonna make a big iguana wouldn't that be cool and he'll be invisible and spit acid and it's just like you know no well, the answer is no especially where everything else is so well thought out design wise you know yeah just popping out and giving us a gigantic lizard is like okay come on you know yeah it was a glaring kind of uh yeah design uh bump you they know. were tired. They did all the other ones first. They got to the ass, but the last one, they were just scan in my pet iguana. They would just use that. <laughs> Fine. Uh, I just, I don't know. I love reptile. I love all the like yeah. the masked dudes. And, uh, you know, it's a bummer to see, see my boy done dirty like that. Well, they can walk it back. They can be like, oh no, that was just a large iguana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Introduce the real reptile later. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, I mean, they definitely <laughs> will. Yeah. And I think keep... overall, overall, I think I like it. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. I was yeah, satisfied I'm... with it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Ultimately, I think. Yeah. I didn't um, hate it. You know. No. I don't know how much I'll be watching it though, personally. I'm watching it again. I I will tell you that. I will watch it one yeah. more time. Easy. No, definitely like twice. I watched it twice comfortably. I'll probably watch it again, you know, randomly and then just like jump around to the fight scenes. But uh yeah. satisfying as a fan, you know, as yeah. a as a as a as a you know, a vague inner interactor with the games over the years there is a lot of kind of homage paid to the game itself almost to the detriment of the movie again anytime (laughs) that they make a video game movie that doesn't like abhorrently suck is a win you know what i mean so the yeah. fact that this is like okay yeah, yeah all right a, that's a better outlook yeah it might as well be a best picture winner you know what i mean <laughs> like the fact that it's a video game movie that actually isn't bad we do it's it. like 
give it an Oscar now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't know what we should talk about next week. I, I I was thinking though, I have a thought, which is we've been on like a heavy movie kind of run, and sometimes that like that happens on this show. We talk about movies probably more than anything else, but seeing that we're the two comic book guys should we do a comic book episode do you want to pick a graphic novel and sit down and discuss that shit yeah what do you think it should be whoa dang i don't know that's a big one Think about it. I can put it on the next episode of WT Fada on the end of this. So we'll have yeah. a couple days to kind of like think about what that what that would look like. I need to we have until tomorrow night, basically, because the show will go live on Friday morning. So um, Ooh, yeah, I mean, think about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shit. So I guess you can find anything online, right? You know, like to read online. Awesome. Yeah, I can hit a bookstore too if it's one I don't have. But you know. Cool. So Well Well, yeah, what what's the first one? I like almost want it to be like a Jim Apparel Batman story, just so that we can like tear it apart, but <laughs> well. like Death of the Family or something, but I don't I don't actually want to do that. I want to do something fun. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. Fight Club 2 by Chuck Palahniuk. Oh, my fuck. <laughs> fuck that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm just, and I, this, this may be an unpopular opinion, but that is the <laughs> best comic book ever made <laughs> oh man i think yeah. i think i found I, I found a winner Ooh. okay i've mean the stories of a, alan moore a copy okay. to you but i haven't been able to find this printing but the greatest yeah dc universe stories of alan moore um, right. I will go out and I will find it. The addition to, to pick up. There's another one that has um, a bunch of his weird, like 90s image stuff in the back of it, or image yeah. looking stuff instead of the killing joke. Okay. Because they're pushing that Brian Bollins fucking vanilla pudding diarrhea uh, colored version. And. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, took some of that stuff out, but I think everything else is the same in there. And that'll be like a fun uh oh. No nope, a fun access point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. I think that'll yeah. be like a fun access point for you know, kind of superhero stuff and the way we kind of regard superhero stuff applied in you know the medium itself. Right. Cool. That's Uh, what we'll do. 
next week we'll be back with uh, DC Universe, The Stories of Alan Moore. That's yep, the title? Exactly. All right. So we'll be back with that. So fucking get to reading, bitches. And we'll <laughs> see you next week. Or at least we'll, we won't see you or hear you, <laughs> but you'll hear us. <laughs> but you won't see us. So we will be here next week in some capacity and I'm going to leave. Ron's eyeball the bleeding. Uh, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>Do you want more WT fodder throughout the week? If so, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at WTFodder underscore podcast. There, we post updates about episodes as well as news stories. Usually movies, sometimes just odd. Um, yeah, stay connected.